0: I am professional wrestler Chris Rex, and if you're hearing my voice,
1: that means you're listening to the Bear of Texas podcast. What is up, beauties? Welcome to another edition of Into the Net FC, the soccer talk discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. This is the Bear of Texas reporting live from an undisclosed location. We are fresh off the World Cup discussion over the venues for the 2026 World Cup. Tonight, Steve is back, and we all. Are- going to talk about EPL week 22 Steve another major shocking week shall we say
0: yeah I mean you know quite a few big talking points which match do you want to start with
1: well well just another another good question right right there shall we go ahead and start with well the first one that we both got wrong let's go ahead and start with Wolverhampton and Arsenal
0: this was a game that Arsenal was just absolutely bossing in the first half. They were just absolutely dominant, totally carrying play. Uh, really nice goal from Pepe uh, early on in the first half. And, you know, they were really on the front foot. David Luiz gets a red card in injury time. Uh, Neves converts the penalty for Wolves. So, in spite of all of that dominance, and uh, carrying plays is one-to-one, but almost more importantly, Arsenal is going to be down a guy. So all of a sudden, uh, Wolves start carrying the play a little bit, and then uh, Juan Moutinho, he hits an absolute bomb from 30 yards out, upper left corner of the net, just an absolute howitzer. The type of goal that even Steven Gerrard, the former uh, England captain and Liverpool great, who was very good at scoring long-range goals as well, Moutinho's goal was just absolutely masterclass. And for Wolves, it's their first win uh, since they had that 2-1 win over Chelsea back on December 15th. Stops the slide uh, and takes a little bit of pressure off uh, Nuno, the Wolves coach, but, uh, and then um, as Arsenal's trying to get back into the game, uh, the, the Arsenal goaltender, Leno, he's trying to race Adama Traore, and that Spaniard's got serious wheels for a guy who's as big and burly, who really looks more like he should be playing rugby rather than soccer. Uh, that pace just made Leno do something that was just absolutely stupid. He handled the ball, clearly handled the ball outside of his area. Straight red, he's gone. Uh, Arsenal had a late threat in injury time to tie the game. Wolves hung on for the win. So Arsenal not only loses the game, but because of those red cards, Luis and Leno are not going to be eligible to play in this weekend's game.
1: Absolutely not. And I actually had, um, I got a a little bit by some of my uh, friends, you know, who know nothing about soccer. And I guess since they care about me so much, they're cheering me on for this show. They all asked me, but they all said, Alex, I thought goalkeepers can use their hands, but, and you know, to clarify it, they can, but if, it, if it's outside the box, you know, that's the limit. Yeah, keep in mind, even the goalkeeper is in situations where his hands are tied. Yeah. It's not, it's not like the goalkeeper can just run around the place and handle the ball with his hands. It's, it's got its limitations. So I made sure like the dude went clear out of the box. I mean, when you're out of the box, the goalkeeper is, is past his, his post. So, so yep.
0: yeah. I mean, speed can sometimes cause errors. Um, and this was a classic case. Troyori's pace uh, made Leno make a really, really foolish error, cost his team in a big way. And Arsenal now having to play two men down for the rest of the game. You know, there was just a uh, little no hope for them salvaging that uh, that match.
1: It wasn't, and it was interesting enough. Two red cards, but even more surprisingly enough, Steve, that was not the only game to have two red cards. Because now we're really going to get to something really interesting: Manchester United versus Southampton. And as you recall, last week I said, do not be surprised if Southampton gives the Red Devils a run for their money because they have a bit of a habit of doing that at Old Trafford. But this past Tuesday, Manchester United said, nope, we're not going to let Southampton push us around. We're going to do the opposite. We're going to bully them around. And the Red well, Devils really gave them hell.
0: Well, Southampton didn't help matter as much. Uh, Alexander Jankiewicz, the uh, the Swiss player for Southampton, you know, young guy, gets a straight red off a really, really nasty, reckless challenge. So two minutes into the game, Southampton is having to play a man down, and Man U just absolutely, uh, after Juan Bissaka got his first ever goal at uh, at Old Trafford for Man U, after Juan Bissaka's goal, I mean, that just opened up the floodgates.
1: Oh, boy in 18th minute, you know, one nothing and then 7 minutes later Marcus Rash- Rashford scores and there's actually something very very special about this goal because this goal has allowed Marcus Rashford to su- to surpass Eric Cantona for most goals scored in a Manchester United kit.
0: It's a pretty notable player. You know, that's pretty pretty exclusive company to get ahead of a guy like Cantona. You
1: know, a lot of people say I exaggerate, but I really believe Rashford is a very underrated player.
0: Well, I, he is, and uh, Martial had a brace uh, for for Manu as well. I mean, there was you know, shoot, almost everybody of the starters was getting a goal. So it was really um, it was really something else. Uh, club record almost was a club records. Uh, Manu. Nine goals. The club record win was a 10 zip win over Anderlecht back in 1956. So, really, really huge uh, beatdown at Old Trafford.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was actually the, I believe it was the first time since 1995, for the 95 96 season where Manchester United had a 9 nothing win. They had a win over a, I don't know the name it of the club. switched out. Okay. Ipswich down. Ipswich down. Okay. Are they like in the th- – uh, which uh, flight are they in right now?
0: Now they're in the third tier. Okay. I mean, once upon, a time, once upon a time, back in the early 80s, Ipswich was actually one of the better teams in England. And uh, they they had actually won a UEFA Cup. But uh, the unfortunately for the Tractor Boys, uh, they have just descended into the depths of, of the English game and are now in the third tier.
1: It's, it's a shame, really. But, you know, going back, you know, looking at it, yeah, uh, a little bit of a martial law was declared. I mean, every time Anthony Martial, you know, has a great game, I always like to say martial law was, was declared because, you know, I, I love Martial. You know, m- much like Marcus Rashford, he's a, he's a very underrated player. And Martial is trying to make a name for himself because, you know, he wants to be on the on the French-European squad that's going to hopefully compete this summer, and God willing, but... You know, Bruno Fernandez took a penalty. You know, Edison Cavani uh, had a header of his own. You know, the Scottman, uh, Scott, uh, Scott McTominay. Mc- I hope I said that right. The Scott McTominay. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, like, like you said, everybody had it. And, you know, two minutes in the game, you know, a, a straight red card. And this was actually a, a young player who hasn't actually started a game in quite a long time. And he finally gets a start. And, you know, less than two minutes in the game, you know, he screws it up.
0: Well, on the ugly side of this also, too, though, is that, you know, this poor young man, I mean, yeah, it was a bad foul and everything, but what's not cool is that this guy has been getting abused racially online. Um, he's Swiss, but he's of Cameroonian origin. And, uh, you know, poor young man's been getting racially abused big time on social media, um, Once again, unfortunately, raising its very ugly head in this situation.
1: Racial abuse has actually been a problem. You know, just uh, after Manchester United lost to Sheffield, uh, Marcus Rashford and Anthony Martial, I believe, uh, suffered racial abuse of their own. You know, and and unfortunately, you know, people just don't grow up. You know, and unfortunately, it's gotten part of the game. You know, the racism is just so ugly. but, But, you know, for those guys, you know, stay strong, you know, ignore the idiots, you know. They're trying to get in your head, and don't let them do it. So now we move on, and we get to Sheffield versus West Brom. Well, Sheffield suddenly uh, trying to pick up as many wins as they, as they can, so they t- pick up the win. And unfortunately, the the win uh, doesn't do still doesn't do them any favors. They're still uh, at the very very bottom.
0: They're still quite a ways back. Uh, Phillips gets the early goal for West Brom. Um, Bogle uh, equalizes for the Blades, and then uh, Sharps gets the gets the winner. Uh, pounces on a loose ball in the box and buries it. But uh, you know, precious win for for Sheffield United. But uh, but the three bottom clubs, uh, Sheffield United, West Brom, and Fulham. I mean, they're really starting to have their work majorly cut out for them. As far as if any of those three even have a prayer of avoiding the drop, and we'll get in the reasons for that when we go into some of the other results.
1: Yeah, because, you know, we're now getting into the – it's it's getting more crucial by the freaking week. I mean, you know, it's it's coming to the point where, you know, the fun and games are over. It's time to be serious now, like more serious than ever. It's like basically in the NFL, when, when you're past week 12, you're past Thanksgiving, you're in the month of December, you you got to win out the games.
0: But – I mean, Sheffield United right now, 11 points from just three wins. West Brown, 12 points. Uh, Fulham at 14. So the 17th spot now, Burnley is at 17th. They're at 22 points. So if you're Sheffield United, you're a full 11 points behind, you know, trying to, you know, get to that uh, life vest that represents the 17th place. So. Um, then uh, as far as uh, another yeah. result from the bottom half uh, Newcastle yeah. loses at home to Crystal Palace uh, there were two really nice goals yeah. in this game um, Shelby yeah. for Newcastle scored off a really nice yeah. half volley uh, Rita Wald hits yeah. a really yeah. real yeah. Uh, howitzer from 20 yards out that's partially yeah. deflected and um you know, just a really, really, you know, it was a good result for, for Crystal Palace. Fairly entertaining game.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, it's one of those games with a with situation and the concept and, and just the results are just so quite unusual. I mean, you, you see games like this every now and then, but I always feel like, you know, it's that kind of game. You know, within two minutes, you know, you know first blood is drawn and then, the team, you know, scores two unanswered, and it's in a span of less than five minutes, and then the rest of the game is just, you know, fighting tooth and nail, just you know, to put the ball in the back of the net. But yeah, Crystal Palace really actually needed that win.
0: So good win for them. Um, Villa loses one three at home versus West Ham. Um, so Jesse Lingard uh, on loan from Manchester United. All he does in his first Premier start in 13 months, he scores a brace for West Ham. And, or excuse me, uh, yeah, for West Ham. And he just absolutely worked really, really well with Antonio and Cresswell in the midfield for West Ham. Very creative. Um, Suchek got uh, the other goal for West Ham. So, uh, Big win for the Hammers, you know, so they stay in fifth spot, and they're within striking distance of trying to get up into the top four. Villa, tough loss at home. Uh, Watkins gets a goal on a nice feed from Grealish, but the Villains slide down to ninth. But still, big win for West Ham to go up to the West Midlands to get a win at Villa Park.
1: Absolutely. West Ham, you know, is now start knocking on the door because – they're within two points of getting the fourth, and they're actually four points uh, behind of Leicester City, who's currently in third. So, you know, at this point, I mean, I know everybody likes to make their jokes on West Ham because it's been so long since they've been a relevant club, but you know, these guys are coming, and they they look pretty good. You know, now, now they got Lingard, who's already making an impact. You know, it could be so, you know, If the time has finally come where things are finally starting to turn around for the Hammers.
0: Well, he he keeps playing like this. You know the the suits at West Ham may may see if they can make that loan something more permanent because let's face it, Lingard just was not getting any playing time uh, with with Man U. Uh, I mean, he had not played a match since the final day of the of of the nineteen of the twenty twenty season. So uh, so yeah, he has to be just. Thrilled with with his great start, uh, with with the hammers. So good result for David Moyes and his men.
1: I think that's why uh, Manchester United decided to give him on a on a free loan because they're not sure exactly what they can get for him. So if, if Jesse Lingard actually plays well, scores you know great goals, then then Manchester United you know can actually demand a certain amount of money uh, to make a permanent uh, lo- uh, to make the loan you know permanent. So. So right now they're they're just testing him out, seeing you know what he can do, and then you know when the time is time comes, you know Manchester United's really going to make the demands, and if he plays good, then Manchester United kind of holds the cards because keep in mind, he's alone. he's loan, he's not he's still part of the Manchester United uh, team, he's just on a loan. So.
0: Yep, and then um, the other big shocking result of the day: Liverpool losing at home to Brighton. Oh, boy. Liverpool, Liverpool, boy, a lot, of, a lot of different numbers you can throw out at this. Uh, Liverpool, they had actually, at one point, they had gone 68 home games in the EPL without a defeat at Anfield, and then they lose to Burnley. Now they've lost a second in a row. Um, Liverpool, actually, in the midst of all this, they haven't won at home since December 16th. Um, And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a really, really bad stretch. Uh, And, and two, this loss to to Brighton, this wasn't like the Burnley loss. Burnley was a smash and grab. Liverpool had outplayed Burnley. Uh, Burnley scored on one of their few chances that they had. This game was different. Brighton flat out outplayed Liverpool. Liverpool only had one shot on target to four for Brighton. Uh, and total shots on goal, Brighton had more shots on goal. Um, Kelleher, the replacement goaltender for Liverpool, he didn't have a bad game. Um, he had to substitute for Allison because uh, he was out ill. But, uh, but after the game, Jurgen Klopp said that his team just looked tired mentally. Well, after this really awful performance against Brighton, now they who who gets to come to anfield right now manchester city now is going to be coming this weekend and you know with the very very real possibility of losing three in a row at anfield because manchester city they're not missing a beat no de bruyne uh no aguero no problem still and um what can you say? But for, but for Brighton, uh, hats off to them. They played a really, really good game. And um, it also helped a great deal with uh, getting them more into the safety zone. Uh, Brighton's unbeaten now in four games. Uh, Steve Elzade, uh, ball basically kind of deflected off of him and into the net. Uh, Was it wasn't a a score that's going to make goal of the week but still you know the goal counts and um you know just a massive result for for brighton and uh it's their first win in 13 meetings with liverpool since the fa cup back in 1984
1: Yeah, things are just not going well for the reds i mean the injuries are still there and You know, like you said, Jürgen Klopp said that they're mentally tired. and To have this string of bad results, you know, before a big game against Manchester City, who's red hot, despite missing two key players, like you mentioned, De Bruyne and Sergio Aguero. I mean, oh boy. Well,
0: well, the Citizens, they go up the turf more in Burnley. They get a goal from Jesus and a goal from Sterling. And they get the two-zip win on the road. Um, on the first goal, um, Nick Pope had sort of deflected uh, Silva's shot, basically just put it right to Jesus for her easy put in. And uh, for the entire game, uh, Manchester City's defense was just a blanket. Burnley did not have a single shot on goal the entire ninety minutes.
1: It seems that Manchester City has obviously proven a point. They they want the EPL title and with Manchester United chasing them right now, I mean, they're, they're going to stop at nothing.
0: If Liverpool loses at home to Man City, they're not going to overcome that. They're not going to be able to be a factor to win the EPL. Uh, the, the question will be if they can hang on and try to get one of the four European spots. I think at this point, that seems to be what Liverpool's going to be playing for. But especially especially if they lose this weekend to to Manchester City, it, it just about slams the coffin shut on the Reds to defend their title.
1: It's unfortunate, but very true. But now we move on to Leicester City and Fulham. Well,
0: wow. uh, The Foxes playing without Jamie Vardy again. Uh, Madison was magistral in this game, two assists, um, very, very good game, uh, goals by Nacho, the Nigerian, and uh, Justin, the England defender, they get the goals for the Foxes, so they get the two-zip win down at Craven Cottage.
1: And they need it because full, uh, excuse me, Leicester City, Oh, in third, you know, two points behind the the Red Devils, you know, who are, who are, of course in second place, and I'm I'm actually still amazed, you know, and, and they're lucky to still be in second place, Manchester United, because, you know, last week the the draw against Arsenal and then everything like that, and then Leicester City uh losing, so you know, Manchester United's been lucky, but they know that the luck is likely to run out, so they got they got to do themselves the favors. They can't let anybody else do them the favors, so they got to win. So, but that that brings us to. Everton and Leeds United.
0: Good game for the Blues. Uh, goals from Sigurdsson and Calvert-Lewin. His 12th goal of the year. He's only behind Mo Salah, who has 15, for leading the EPL in goal scoring. But uh, very good win for Carlo Ancelotti's men going up to Yorkshire. To get the win, uh, Rapina makes the game a little bit more interesting for Leeds. Leeds actually was dominant in the second half on this. They had lots and lots of chances uh, to try to put this in. Uh, their uh, Swedish goaltender, Olsen, he had to sub in for uh, Jordan Pickford, who was out with a rib injury. And uh, Olsen played a really, really solid second half in goal to help preserve that win for Everton.
1: And for Everton, they needed they needed to win because the last uh, two games uh, did not they not end so well. They they suffered the uh, the the amazing the surprising two nothing loss at home to Newcastle, and the and the game prior they suffered a you know it was a draw against Leicester City, which was also at home. And they had been coming off uh, the two nothing win against Wolverhampton, and before that it was a one nothing uh, loss at home to West Ham. So still, it's 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 not really been the best month for. Uh, for Everton, but and it was not long ago. I mean, I, I if I remember correctly, at the beginning of the season, it Ever- wasn't Everton the, like the, the best team in the EPL.
0: They were out of the blocks fast.
1: Yeah, and now and and, and now you know they were they were hot at first, but you know
0: they've had not, a couple of not- they had a couple of uneven results here in the last four weeks. But uh, but still, it was a good good win to get. I mean, especially with Leeds, and we all know how offensive uh, and how open of a game uh, the Yorkshiremen play. So it was a very, very, very good win for Carlo Ancelotti's guys. Um, That kind of brings us to today, Tottenham hosting Chelsea. Uh, If possible, Tottenham looked even more impotent than Liverpool did in their home loss. Uh, Chelsea... Just looks like a whole different team under Thomas Tuchel. A lot more energy, a lot more pace. Um, they're putting a lot of play down the right flank uh, with Reese James and uh, Hudson Adoi. So they're really they're really making hay out of going down the down the right hand side, and um, you know. It really Chelsea really could have could have won even by more. Uh, Chelsea's only goal was off a Jorginho penalty. Um, now people have been kind of ragging on Timo Werner a little bit for not scoring, but he did the next best thing. He drew the penalty where he was fouled by Eric Dyer, so that that allowed uh, Jorginho to be able to take the penalty for Chelsea, which he converted, and. Um, they pretty much put her in cruise control. Tottenham had a very, very late chance uh, that Mendy was able to save for Chelsea. But uh, but, for, but for the most part, very workmanlike win. Uh, for Tottenham, that was their third straight loss. But uh, for Chelsea, after all their problems, and now that Thomas Tuchel has taken, uh, taken them over the reins, now Chelsea has kind of climbed its way up to sixth.
1: They have while Tottenham is just falling and falling and falling. You know, it wasn't that. It feels like it's been forever, but it really wasn't that long ago. Tottenham was number one in the EPL.
0: That's right.
1: Yeah, you know, went from the number. I like to say like in this case, you know, go from the they're in the number one seed and now they're down to well, now they're down to eighth place. But you know, in EPL it doesn't it doesn't work like that. But you know, going from first place to eight to eighth in in a matter of like a little over a month or so. It might have been a little bit longer, but man, it's just. Obvious just been to so me. Much, I'm sorry, yeah. Go ahead. There's
0: just been there's just been so much movement, so much movement in the standings. It's just been nuts. It's
1: it is nuts, and but honestly, it's it's good because you know it's it's what keeps everything so interesting. But you know, with Harry Kane, you know, still out for probably at least you know three, four, three or four weeks. You know, the the momentum the moment is is really faltered. You know, and a lot of people actually predicted this. I mean. It, you gotta keep in mind a lot of people out there really despise Jose Mourinho, and you know everybody thought you know he probably started out great at first, but then you know the ego kicks in and you know everything like that kicks in, and then Tottenham starts to fall down. A lot of people saying it's that that's what's going on. I mean, I I can't say for sure. I mean, I, I haven't really been listening to what Jose Mourinho has been saying or what's really been going on with Tottenham as far as things like that, because you know it's definitely not what's going on at Manchester United as far as I know, but. But for Tottenham, you know, despite that, you know, Harry Kane and and um, Son Heung-min are still both tied with twelve goals, which is you know right now a four-way tie for the second highest score in the Premier League, and Dominic Calvert-Lewin that- and Bruno Fernandes are also at twelve. So, yeah, but
0: well, it's it's clear Tottenham uh, they really miss Harry Kane to, to be working with Son on the counters, but uh, it it was just rather ridiculous after the game. Uh, Mourinho was moaning on what a poor job uh mariner the referee had done and it's like no you guys were simply outplayed <laughs> he says no no that was that was that was not a penalty that he called and i disagree i think it was a foul and um you know he, he had his team that was just so far back i mean son Hardly had a whiff of the ball today. Nobody was getting him any service of the ball, but Tottenham was playing back, you know, so deep um, they were virtually no threat for most of the game, and uh, his his team just simply got outplayed. and And to blame it on the referee is just it's sour grapes. It's just ridiculous. But it, you know, it's not the it's not the first time that Jose Mourinho has you know whined and tried to make alibis after his team. Came up short.
1: Well, you just answered the question for me then. Apparently, he is doing the same thing he did in his in his final days at Manchester United. He's not taking responsibility. He's trying to blame the ref or bl- blaming these other things. Well, there you go. So, I guess it, it is confirmed. So, it, it is starting to go through the same phase as things went at Old Trafford for Jose Mourinho. And obviously, it's an embarrassment. I'm like, look, I, the ref is going to frustrate the hell out of everybody, but. Come on, if you're a guy like Jose Mourinho, who's won the Champions League for several clubs, who's been around for so long, who's one of the most successful managers, I mean, come on. You, you should know better than to blame the freaking refs. I mean, you're humiliating yourself for God's sake, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's ridiculous. It is. I mean, look, look. you know, even the great managers are going to are, are gonna make mistakes. I mean, they're not always going to win, but for say, like, come on, the referees did this and that. I mean, come on, you're Jose Mourinho. You're one of the best guys, you know, out there. But, you know... But apparently, yeah, you did answer. So you did actually answer my question. So apparently, the what what went on at Old Trafford in his final days, or you know what went on most of the time, the excuse making is now you know made its way to Tottenham, I and that's really not good. I mean, it's it's bad for the club, but you know, I guess that's Jose Mourinho for you, right?
0: Yeah, although although towards the end of his tenure at 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 Man U, I mean that was a case too where the players they they pretty much bailed it in and they stopped playing for him. I don't think it's quite at that point yet with Tottenham. Not yet. I think I, at this point I don't think so yet, but you know, we we still got a bit of season yet to go.
1: Well, I I tell you what, if at the end of the season if Tottenham is nowhere close to being the top 4, then I think we could say then sometime during the span the players have officially given up and The Tottenham's management, they're going to have to make a choice, but, you know, firing the guy, you know, after him being around this long, it's not good, but, you know, whatever they do, they got to do it. But now we get to the preview for match day number 23. We'll go and start with Aston Villa and Arsenal.
0: Should be an intriguing match. Um, Grealish with his attacking flair and ability to. Feed the ball to people versus Arsenal, um, who's they're going to be, you know, again down Leno and, and Luis in this game. Um, this one I'm actually going to pick Villa at home in this one.
1: Really? Okay. Well, um, okay. You, you, judging from the humiliating and very frustrating loss the Gunners suffered last week, I mean, you know, losing two guys, you know. It's one thing to play when you're one man down, but but when you're two men down, I mean, huh. the frustration, the pressure, well, it's doubled, so. But I th- I think, you know, Aston Villa certainly has the win, but uh, at least I should say they definitely have an advantage, but, but don't be surprised if Arsenal comes in, you know, they're, obviously they're licking their chops and they want to win, so don't be surprised if Arsenal tries to put up a fight, but Aston Villa can certainly take the win.
0: Early versus Brighton. Who would have thought that these are the two teams that have both beaten Liverpool at home and they're playing each other now? Um,
1: Well, there's a PD contest.
0: So the the B&Bs. I'll tell you what. I'll actually take uh, Brighton in this one on the road. They looked so impressive against Liverpool. Again, they flat out outplayed them. So I'll I'll take Brighton to get the win up at Turf Moor.
1: Okay. I, I'm going to take you up on it. I agree with you. I'm going to go with Brighton, Brighton wins 2-0 nothing.
0: Okay. Uh, Newcastle hosting Southampton. Oh. Boy. Uh two, two teams that have been kind of down more than they've been up. Um I think Southampton is due for a good game. I think after that total ass-kicking they suffered at Old Trafford, my hope is is that uh, I would I think that they will rebound against Newcastle. I think Southampton will get the win on the road at Newcastle.
1: I think I'm going to go with I think Newcastle understands what Southampton went through. But they got it. But Newcastle's then's gonna re, they're gonna remind themselves. Well, we are not Manchester United. We're not gonna put nine points and keep a clean sheet against Southampton. But, but I think Southampton does pick up the win. Southampton's humiliated, and when you humiliate humiliated that bad, you're coming to the next game. You're looking your chops. You are hungry for a win. And I think Southampton takes the win.
0: Fulham hosting West Ham London derby uh, as well as the Hammers looked at Villa Park, I'm going to go with the Hammers in this one.
1: Me too. I, and I think Jesse Lingard is also the difference maker in this game.
0: Man U hosting Everton. Uh, should be a really entertaining, very entertaining match. Uh, this will be a fun one to watch on Saturday. Um, I'll take Man U in this one. I think they're feeling it right now. So I think the Red Devils beat the Blues.
1: Yeah, Man U wins 3-2 to two, though. I mean... Don't count out Carlo Ancelotti's men. I mean, and Man U is really not the best team at home. I mean, they're a better team on the road than they are at home, and this and they they already took care of Everton on the road. So and I'm sure they would love to beat Everton uh, at home this time, so you know, t- to seal the sweep. So I'm gonna go with Red Devils, but it's it's not gonna be a walk in the park. I'm gonna go with a three-two win.
0: Tottenham I think should get healthy against West Brom. Um, I think after the really awful performance today against Chelsea, I think the Spurs get the win at home on Sunday morning.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think Tottenham bounces back, you know, it's a two nothing win, but still a lot of work to do.
0: Midlands Derby, Wolverhampton versus Leicester City. I'll take the Foxes in this one. In the battle in the animal battle between the Wolves and the Foxes, I think I will take the Foxes here.
1: Well, I agree. I agree. Wolverhampton did pull off the win against Arsenal, but you know again, Leicester City is not Arsenal, so Leicester City is a tougher team. Uh, the question is, uh, do we know any, if, uh, if Vardy is likely to play or it has it has not been announced yet? I haven't heard. Okay, so it's I guess if we haven't heard about it yet, and the game is about three days away. I mean, either if we don't hear it tomorrow, I think it's going to go down to a game to a game time decision.
0: Uh, the one that everybody's really looking for this weekend, Liverpool defending champs versus Manchester City, the team that now is just really beginning to run away with things in the in the EPL. <sighs> Liverpool tends to play better against better opposition. I don't know if they're going to have Sadio Mane back. He was still out um, against against uh, Brighton the other day. So, uh, can Man City make three losses in a row for Liverpool? Tough call. Um, I'm, at this point, I'm going to have to just give the ed- give the edge to City right now, based on the respective form of the two teams.
1: Yeah, and I, and I hate to I hate to bust your balls, but yeah, I I, I don't like to having to say that Liverpool is going to get their ass kicked, but if it, it kind of looks like they will, you know, Manchester City, you know, like we mentioned. Even though Kevin De Bruyne and Sergio Aguero are both out with injuries so far, that their absence has not affected Manchester City at all. And Liverpool, with all the injuries, you know, like that, and you know, suffering two straight losses to smaller clubs, I mean, Liverpool's starting to become a club, you know, a club that we're starting not to recognize. You know, it's like their main event status, their dominance, their dominant form, is slowly just continually fading away, and. Well, Manchester City, you know, might just come in and just take care of business, and Liverpool might be humiliated.
0: Well, I have said it before. I mean, teams are—they're not playing like they're fearing Liverpool anymore. So it's just a whole different dynamic. Uh, final game on Sunday. Uh, Chelsea makes the trip up to Yorkshire to play Sheffield United. Uh, I think the way I think Thomas Tuchel has uh, the ship righted and heading in the right direction for Chelsea. I think they pick up the win against the Blades.
1: They, they do, and since Thomas Tuchel took over, Chelsea has yet to actually uh, concede a goal.
0: Yeah, undefeated in three games, two wins and a draw. Um,
1: Respectable. Then,
0: yep. Then Monday, uh, Crystal Palace makes the trip up to Yorkshire to play Leeds. Um. I'll take Bielsa's babes in this one. I think I'll take Leeds United to beat Crystal Palace at home at Ellen Road.
1: Yeah. I'm going to take you on that one too. Definitely give me Leeds United. Yeah. So now that we're done with the preview, uh, I'm going to take a quick look at League On because League On is actually has has a bit of it it, kind of got interesting as well. But, you know, PSG (laughs) is still in third place. You know, believe it or not, Lille is actually the top top the top club in the league. Huh? Been undefeated yeah. lately.
0: Yeah, the other day uh in in Lille's uh th- 3 zip win over over Bordeaux, George Weah's kid, Tim Weah, who's a US international, Tim Weah got a goal. Uh did a lot of hard running in that game, so it was good not just to see Tim Weah Get some playing time, but actually, actually get a goal for Lille. looking
1: at PSG, you know. So, so I'm I'm starting to think they they may not win the league. They may not win the league on this year.
0: Well, it's just nice to see a, a race. It's nice to see some competition in league on for a change uh, between Lille, Lyon, and PSG. Uh, you know, it's nice to see a little bit of competition there for a change because. Uh, I mean, pretty much since uh, the the twenty thirteen season, it's just been been PSG. Uh, there was just the one year when Monaco won it since tw- since twenty thirteen. Otherwise, PSG has just owned
1: it. And speaking of Monaco, Monaco's in the top four. Uh, really changed a lot since the their uh, horrible season last season. But Monaco's uh, been on a on a tear lately. you know. F- wins in their last five games. So, yeah, PS, PSG's PSG's time of, you know, just taking the title left and right. I think it's finally come to, I think it might have finally come to an end. They're finally going to have to fight tooth and nail to get it. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, uh, Marseille, you know, Marseille just, you know, continuing to fall I mean, down to ninth place. It's just. They're
0: floundering. They're floundering. Uh, Bias Bora looks like uh, he's getting his walking papers. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see who Marseille ends up bringing in to, to lead the troops because right now, uh, for via the, the Portuguese just is not, it's just not working at the Stade Maladrome, And, uh, I mean, the other thing that kind of a little interesting stat too, ever since Mr. McCourt, has bought Olympic Marseille and that he bought them in uh, 2016. Marseille has lost 200 million euros since then. I mean, how the hell does that happen? I mean, it's just, it's just incredible. I mean, this is the guy who used uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers. He and his now ex-wife, uh, they use the Dodgers like their own personal ATM. And uh, it just seems like he's doing the same thing at Marseille that he did running the Dodgers into the ground.
1: It's unfortunate. It was, you know, a friend of uh, and I, I was looking at this, and, I, and I, ima- I did close my eyes and imagine it. If Z Dan was to leave Real Madrid, and then Marseille needed a manager. What if he he would go to Marseille? But think, but now that I look at it, with the horrible management, Zidane probably would have no. I mean, I, I would be surprised if Zidane even had any interest going to Marseille. I mean, I'm sure that if he goes to Marseille, he can, he can certainly make the club dominant. I have no doubt about that, and and I can definitely cheer for Marseille. And you know, I mean, and just to remind everybody, I'm not a diehard PSG fan or Marseille fan. I respect both clubs because that's I've been like that since I was young, but to see if, Z, if Zizou was to manage Marseille I would just say well I guess it's one of those things we, we knew we kind of thought would happen one day because you know Marseille is his hometown and you know I'm sure he grew up grew up loving Marseille the club so
0: he's he's a hometown Mar, Marseille kid that's for sure uh, but would he would he play for the the McCourt ownership group nah I just I don't I don't see that coming to pass um,
1: the problem is that they can't offer they can't offer him a lot of money because of the whole situation, right?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, you know, for with with his resume, I mean, he's he's won three Champions Leagues, he's won a La Liga title. Um, you know, it's it's just there's, they wouldn't be able to afford him, and and again, I just don't, I just wouldn't see. Zidane being able to mesh with that ownership group.
1: Well, well, I guess that's too bad, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, on a on a gut level, sure, I'd love to see it, and I'm sure I'm sure a lot of Marseille fans would would love the idea of Zidane taking over at Marseille. But um, you know, unfortunately, uh, McCourt he has no Bernard Tapie, that's for sure. <laughs> Bernard Tapie, by the way, he was the owner of Marseille when they won uh, the Champions Cup back in uh, '93.
1: Yeah, there's a funny story on my end uh, uh, concerning that. But I got to ask, why did he sell the club in the first place?
0: Um, I forget the entire story, but I think that there was some... Uh, I think he was forced to get rid of the club, actually. I think the French Federation forced him to do that because there was a question of uh, max of match-fixing that, uh, you know, the year that uh, they won the title, uh, there was a rumor, well, not a rumor, but when they were playing Valenciennes that they sort of paid Valenciennes to lie down so that they would go with... Uh, a different team on the field so that they could rest most of their best players for the final against AC Milan. So that was, as I recall, that's the story that I heard. And I think he had to give up the club after that. So, um,
1: Marseille was lucky to only be stripped of the the league on title. I mean, they could, they they could have been stripped of the champions league title, but in your honest opinion, because of the whole thing, do you think they should have been stripped of the champions league title?
0: You can make a pretty good argument, um, you know. I mean, it's just it's it's not a good look. Um, and although UEFA did not take away the title from Marseille when it was time, you know, back when they were playing the old Intercontinental Cup, when the European champs would play the Copa Libertadores champs, uh, UEFA picked AC Milan, the losing finalist to Marseille. They actually played in the in the in the Intercontinental Cup that year, so because of that. But it's interesting that um, you know, after that they they were allowed to, to retain their title, but you know, for some people, you know, they feel like there's an asterisk, you know, next to that win. Yeah,
1: that's it's a shame really because, you know, my, my, during those, you know, time, you know, my dad was a strong supporter of Olympique de Marseille and, and based on what you said, you know, if he was forced to sell it from the French football federation because of the match fixing, well, it's a shame because Marseille just really hasn't been the same since.
0: No, I mean, they really haven't. Um, I think their, their last title I want to say it was 2011. So it's been a while and, um, You know, you hope that they could get it right, but I just, I don't see it happening right now with this ownership group.
1: Well It's it's a shame, really. But, anyway, just to wrap up, uh, looking at La Liga, well, Atletico Madrid's got a clear 10-point lead, and Barcelona has won the, you know, five straight, the last five uh, games have resulted in wins, while Real Madrid just continues to just be such a, complete disappointment, although they're still uh, in third place and with 40 points with Barcelona, but Barcelona was playing catch-up, so, yeah, Los Blancos are just really not a good club.
0: Well, uh, Barcelona gave Atletico Madrid an early Christmas present. I mean, they basically gave them Luis Suarez, and all Luis Suarez has done since playing for Atletico Madrid has been scoring goals like crazy. And, um, you know, maybe maybe one of the worst moves by management. Um, and it wasn't just upper management. I mean, Coleman, uh, the current manager, the Dutchman didn't want Suarez around either. So, I mean, they basically ran Suarez out on a rail. And, uh, you know, Diego Simeone has just been thrilled uh, with what the Uruguayans has been able to do playing for Atletico.
1: Well, they didn't want Suarez. Atletico Madrid said, "You know what? Give him to us. We'll find a way to use him, and it's really been working out well." Tough luck, Barcelona. But at the end of the day, you got you got what you wanted. You didn't want the guy. You had enough of him. So yeah, <laughs> you you can't hate on Atletico Madrid. I mean, they're using them. They're using the guy correctly, and you know, and it's paying off for them. So yeah, yeah. So. No, no question. <laughs> anyway. Ladies and gentlemen, Into the Net FC is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Steve, as always, it's always an honor to have you on the show. Talking soccer with you is just so much fun. I wish I could do it for hours. But unfortunately, but so far already, we've covered all the bases, and I think we are done for the night.
0: Everybody have a good rest of your week. Have a great weekend. All
1: right. well, can't wait to have you back on, Steve.
0: Talk to you next week. All
1: right. Goodbye, everybody. All
0: right. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download
1: the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone.